Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. Good morning again. Welcome to Cornerstone Church. Hey, as we start this uh, new series titled The Gifts of Christmas, the board and I, we purchased a, a devotional book for every family. There are plenty to go around. Um, they're out on that desk right there in the foyer, and there's a devotion uh, for every day, uh, of the, uh, every day of the week leading up to Christmas. Okay, so uh, my family and I already started through the book. I don't know if we were supposed to or not, but we did. I think we're on number two right now, and they're really good. They take about probably three to five minutes tops, um, depending on how much you talk about it. Uh, but there's a verse and some really good thoughts and then some questions to follow up. And so I encourage every family uh, who would like one to grab one. And it's kind of uh, a substitute for uh, your midweek devotions that I've uh, unfortunately forgot to send out last week. I, I apologize to you on that. Um, but grab a book. They are for for you to take. Um, so we are, we're starting this uh, series titled The Gifts of Christmas. And um, how many of you have your Christmas trees up? Christmas decorations up? I see all, a lot of hands. You're shaking your head like we should be ashamed of ourselves or something. And I say shame on you, sir. Get that tree up, doggone it. Get that tree up. Thanksgiving Day is generally the time that my family and I, we get our all of our decorations out and, and put the tree up and, and whatnot. But I will confess, I've been listening to Christmas jazz for like, I don't know, middle of November at least. I've been getting, I don't know, something about this year. I'm just kind of in the, in the mood. Uh, speaking of jazz, uh, how many of you like the Charlie Brown Christmas album? Have you ever seen, listened to that? That Vince Guaraldi, that trio, man, they are absolutely amazing. And, you know, as I think about uh, Charlie Brown and uh, his experience with Christmas, have you, um, how many of you have watched that show, by the way, The Charlie Brown Christmas? Did you know that <clears throat> the Charlie Brown Christmas uh, special came about sort of as a, as a last-minute uh, thing? Coca-Cola was looking for a holiday special to sponsor for marketing purposes. And so at the time, back in 1965, uh, the Peanuts cartoon was wildly popular. And so they went to Charles Schultz and said, hey, can, what do you have for us? Can you put something together? And so he, Charles Schultz and his writers, they got together and basically put the outline to that show together in a day and brought it back and Coca-Cola said, that sounds good. But Charles had a few conditions. Uh, one, there would be no laugh track. There would be a jazz track. And that was kind of un, uh, uncustomary, very unconventional at the time because every TV show basically had that, that laugh track underneath it and this instead would have the jazz track, which we all know, the Vince Guaraldi trio. And, and we love that to this day. Um, the second condition that Charles had was that the true Christmas story would be presented and this included a reading of uh, Luke chapter 2. And... That was pretty controversial at that time. And he said, nope, if you're going to have us, you're going to do it this way. 
and they said, okay. And the show has done uh, pretty, uh, pretty well. I think it's been airing every year since. And so um, Charlie Brown in this particular scene, he comes to the place, he's, he's kind of like, trying all the, the various things that everybody says that you should do for, for Christmas. But then he comes to this place, he's just exasperated. And he says, can anybody tell me what Christmas is all about? Can anybody tell me what it really means? And that's when his friend Linus, the dude with the blanket there, comes up and says, hey, let me tell you about it. And he reads that passage from Luke chapter 2. Let's watch that together here. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And in those words, Charlie Brown finds hope. And his whole attitude towards Christmas changes from that moment forward. He goes from this, uh, you know, being depressed by Christmas to uh, being inspired by it. He goes from this inward focus and in this question to this outward focus and this sharing of this season with others. And I believe the same will be true of us as we find hope in those, in those scriptures and scriptures like it. And that's where we come to do today. Uh, and we're opening this Advent season, unwrapping the first gift of Christmas, the first gift that, that Jesus' birth brought us, and that is hope. He brought us hope. And so as we think about hope today, and I talk about it in terms of past, present, and future, I'm going to give you a couple of things that will help you, especially if you came here today. And, and you, we, every single one of us has something we are hoping for. Raise your hand if you have something you are hoping for right now. It could be even a cruise or something like totally silly like that. How many of you, I would, I'm hoping for a cruise. I didn't have that on my list, but it is now. It's on my list right now. I just realized that. Boy, I didn't even write that down. No, that would be great. But we all have things that we're hoping for. And you know, the funny thing about hope is that it seems to ebb and flow, don't it? It seems to ebb and flow in our hearts. Some days we feel very hopeful and like, yes, that's, that's going, to, uh, going to happen. And then other days it's like, oh, when, you know, I don't know. And then we kind of go up and down. And so I want to give you a few things that will steady your hope, especially during this holiday season. And then lastly, I want to challenge you uh, to think about hope in the future as we look um, to Christ's second coming. His first coming reminds us that he is indeed coming again. 
And so uh, let's think about hope in, in those terms. You know, usually, uh, you know, what type of statements do we hear when people talk about hope? They usually say things like, well, I hope it doesn't rain, right? Um, I, I hope I get that job. I, I hope I make the team. Or um, if they're on their first date, I hope she shows up. You know, that's a big one. Or if you're like me, a University of Michigan football fan, as yesterday morning, I was hoping that they would beat Ohio State. And sadly, I was crushed. Crushed. Dreams. I don't even want to talk about it. I'm just, I digress here. Oh, pray for me. It was brutal. And so we talk of ter- hope in those terms, right? It's like things that we hope will happen, but we're uncertain if they will or not. It's our earthly hope. Our worldly hope is often characterized by doubt, uncertainty, and things we cannot control. But in Jesus, hope is a guarantee. There are things that God promises us in his word that gives us a guarantee. And so our hope in Christ, our hope for those things, is a no-so rather than a maybe-so. And so this morning, I want to unpack that uh, by looking at our hope uh, from the past the present, and then into the future. Uh, between the past and the present, I'm going to give you a couple minutes and to do the prayer boards and sign up outside, and then we'll, we'll go and f- complete the, the sermon. Uh, talking about hope past, okay, I found a, a, a survey that Timex did, Timex, the watch people. Listen to, to this. Americans wait on average 32 minutes whenever they visit a doctor, 28 minutes in security lines when they travel, 21 minutes for a significant other to get ready to go out on a date. How many of you are nudging somebody next to you? Maybe it's a little more than 21 minutes. 13 hours annually on hold with customer service. I can personally attest to this. I I, I think between Jamie and I, we spent 20 hours on the phone with Sears this summer trying to work out a, a washer issue. It was the worst experience I've ever had. Uh, I will never buy from Sears again, unfortunately. Um, 13 hours annually waiting on hold for customer service. 38 hours each year waiting in traffic. Us and Parker, I just heard a report that traffic is supposed to increase by 20, 25% over the next few years. Those that live Closer to uh, Denver, they probably wait uh, 50 hours annually. How many of you can testify that if you drive into Denver? Is it probably true? Yeah, I see some hands slowly going up. Like, yes, I hate it. Uh, Listen to this. About 37 billion hours each year are are spent waiting in line somewhere, and we as human beings spend approximately six months of our lives waiting in line for things. That's like three days a year just queuing up. Three days a year just queuing up. How many of you would take those three days, January 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, if you didn't have to wait the whole rest of the year? (laughs) You know, as we think about past hopes, it's usually in the context of waiting, right? Think about the things that you have waited for periodically throughout your life, I bet there are some really important things starting to, to pop into your mind. You know, when we're young, we, we can't wait, you know, to get out of college or get our first job or get married or uh, move out of our parents' house. There's always so, so many things that we're waiting for, you know, then when we get kids and then we can't wait for them to get out of our house, you know what I mean? And it's like you, you're always waiting right, for things to happen, changes to happen, maybe a promotion or this thing to open up. 
And so waiting is very much tied to this idea of hope, right? Even Paul said, you don't, I mean, if you already have what you're hoping for, then it's not hope. You know, hope intrinsically implies there's a waiting for something. There's something coming in the future and you want it to become your present reality. And so uh, as we think about Christmas and we think about Jesus and Mary, Joseph, and the people surrounding and the whole Israelite nation for that matter, we have to put it in this context of waiting because the people of Israel, they waited several hundred years for the Messiah to come. I mean, the Messiah was, I mean, technically prophesied way back there in Genesis 3, right after the fall, Jesus said that, you know, the seed of the woman would come and crush the serpent's head. And so the Messiah was prophesied back there. But along came Isaiah, and he gave some very specific uh, prophecies several hundred years prior, prophecies that the Israelites really hung their hat on. And I, I think of the vast majority of them thought, oh, like, this is coming next week. You know, like Amazon, this is two-day prime. Like the Messiah is going to be here in a minute. You know what I mean? And no, it wasn't the fact. Let's read those real quick. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Uh, and then he prophesied later, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so they took these verses and they, they held on to them. And what they didn't realize is just how long they would have to actually wait to see them come into reality. And so we uh, find in, uh, kind of a lesser known character in the Christmas story, um, post-Christmas story, and his name is Simeon. Uh, in Luke chapter 2, if you have a Bible with you, open your Bible real quick. Go to Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Let's read about Simeon because he's one of those Israelites. He knew those promises. He was waiting for those promises. And like most Israelites, I'm sure he kind of was, man, when is this going to occur? And he was getting older in age. And then the Holy Spirit uh, gave him a promise. Listen, you are not going to die until you see the Messiah. And so we pick up with this. Verse 25, Luke chapter 2, it says, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Well, that day the Spirit led him to the temple so when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you've promised. There's the promise. There's the hope. There's the pro where you find the promise, you find the hope. I have seen your salvation, which you've prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about, them, about him, and then Simeon blessed them. And so we see Simeon as being that, that typical, typical Israelite waiting, but he had this extra promise from God that he would actually see the Messiah, and upon that word, he held hope, right? And it, when it came true, it was like, a life-giving tree. Remember, Proverbs says, hope deferred, does anybody know the rest of that? Makes the heart sick, 
but a promise fulfilled or a dream fulfilled is like a tree of life. It just, man, it just does something to you. How many of you can testify that those things you waited a long time for, when they came to pass, it was like whole new life sprung up in you? How many of you can testify to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is exactly what Simeon experienced in that moment. And so how does this apply to us in terms of hope past? And how does this help us right now as we enter into this holiday season and we're hoping for things? We're hoping for changes. We're hoping for, some of us are hoping for some really really significant things in our lives, whether it be the salvation of a loved one, whether it be a change in our careers, whether it be an opportunity to move forward or to buy a house or to have a baby. or There's all sorts of things that people are hoping for. But what we need to, in order to maintain stability in that hope while we wait patiently, like Simeon did and the Israelites did, is to remember the promises that God has fulfilled in the past, right? Simeon, from this point forward, if he ever, we don't know how much longer he lived after this, but if there were other things he was hoping for, he could always look back at that time when God made a promise and it was fulfilled. And he can say, if God, if you did it, then you will do it again. If you, even if I had to wait most of my life, God, I know you came through and you actually, I actually got to see the Messiah. I actually got to hold that, that baby and, and see your promise fulfilled. And now I can wait more patiently. How many of you, you said earlier that you have been waiting for things. You know what it's like to hope. How many of you have received that hope? Absolutely, we have received things that we've hoped for, and that should fuel our hope in the present. It should help each and every one of us this holiday season as we think about the hopes that we have to remember back and say, God, if you did it, then I know you will do it again. I know you will come through those things that I'm hoping for, those changes I'm hoping for. God, help me to wait patiently for that. Let that be our prayers. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. You may be here today and, and there's something off and you can picture it in your mind, something you might pray for like me every single morning. You get up and you pray, Lord, let that occur. Let that change come. Faith, faith is confidence that that is coming. It might not be here now, but it's coming. It's kind of like when we place an order on Amazon, right? We have a lot of faith in Amazon, don't we? That we, when we place that order, it'll be here in two days, right? We have more faith in Amazon than we do in God sometimes, don't we? I see a lot of heads nodding, yeah, yeah. And so today, let us have faith based on our experiences in the past with God that what we hope for now, it's coming, it's coming. At this point, I want to take just a quick stand and stretch break. I want to give you a chance to put some pins on the prayer boards. I want to give you a chance to go to the lobby desk, sign up to sponsor a missionary or bring some food in, uh, maybe to serve 
We'll give you about four minutes to do that. And then we'll finish up the sermon, okay? So stand up on your feet. Go to the boards. Go to the desk. Refresh your coffee. And then we'll, uh, we'll pick back up. Thank you. Okay, welcome back. Thank you so much for your participation. As you're uh, making your way in, let me uh, mention a couple of announcements, um, not necessarily related to the season of outreach, but participation, um, fellowship opportunities, that is. Uh, Tomorrow morning, the over 50 fellowship group will be meeting at 8.30 at the Agonai here in Parker. Uh, John, raise your hand real quick. John's right there. He's kind of organizing that fellowship event. So if you'd like to attend, please let him know. And also, this Saturday, there are two fellowship opportunities, um, for one for couples and then another for couples with children. It's date night. Uh, date night is this uh, Saturday. So if you have, um, basically the, the format is this. There's a, uh, an adult event from 5 to 8.30, but there's a children's Christmas party uh, that they're having at the same time for those with children um, here at the church. So the adult event is basically, they come in for about an hour seminar and then head out on their date, whether it be dinner or Christmas shopping, um, whatever. You just got to be back by 8.30 to get your children, right? And Brittany and Nate are organizing that event. Brittany, wave your hand. So if you have, yeah, that's all right. So if you have questions about this, and this is not just for, um, <clears throat> not just for couples with children, as in like young couples. This is for young couples, old couples, uh, people that are dating even or engaged. I would invite them to come. And uh, I would classify this as, as a season of outreach opportunity. If, if you're looking for a way to, uh, a real practical uh, time to invite someone a family, especially if they have children, to come and visit Cornerstone, um, something that will really help their marriage. The last one that I focused on conflict and just how to married couples can work through conflict. It was very, very good. So thank you, Nate and Brittany, for organizing that. That is Saturday. Okay, so here we go. We're talking about hope here. The first gift of Christmas is first uh, part of Advent. And we talked about hope past and how hope, uh, the thing we... Uh, look back at the ways God has fulfilled our hopes in the past and that fuels our hope in the present. So let's continue thinking about hope present by looking at another passage of Scripture. Open your Bible to Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. And while you're turning there, let me uh, share a little story with you. See, there was this guy, and he bought his wife a beautiful diamond ring for Christmas. It was, it was beautiful, right? After hearing about this extravagant gift, a friend of his said, Hey, I, what's with the ring? I thought your wife wanted one of those, you know, four-wheel drive vehicles. And to which the guy replies, Well, she did, but where was I going to find a fake Jeep? I like that. Not only because it's funny, but it's a sobering reminder that our wives will see through the fake. They will see right through it, right? All right, you're in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. I'm reading. This is a more personal, imminent foretelling of Jesus' birth. The agent 
angel Gabriel appears to Mary and tells her about the coming of Jesus, he says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel said to, went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And so uh, we can find hope in the present. This is the second thing that will fuel our hope. We see here that, uh, again, hope it ties to two things. It ties to waiting and it ties to a promise from God. Hope intrinsically involves waiting for something. And here, Mary is waiting uh, for uh, the, this baby that the angel promises to be born. And her hope is fueled by a promise from the Lord. Now, you know, oftentimes when we wait for things, you know, wouldn't it just be easier on everybody's account? I mean, it would save us less prayer, God less listening. Why don't you just send an angel and tell us like what's going to happen, right? Wouldn't that just be way easier? Then we can know what to expect and like what's coming. That just makes a lot of sense. You know, are you listening, Lord? Do you hear this? You know, we just, we think about that. And you know, I don't know if that's always the case. I, I wonder if in Mary's case that actually made it a little harder, in fact, because now she's probably wondering, walking around wondering, will today be the day? Will today be the day? I wonder if it's going to happen, just like you said. You know, it's just, there's, there might have been a, a certain amount of anxiety that, that, that came with that. Um, we don't know. But we don't need God to send us an angel because he's already given us something, right? What has he given us? He's given us the word of God. He's given us the, the scriptures. And in the scriptures, he's made several promises to us that will fuel our hope in the present. Those things, I, I asked you, what are you hoping for right now? And you probably rattled off several things in your mind that you were, you're hoping for. And the, what fuels our hope? Yes, remembering how God came through in the past, but also, the promises that God has made us in Scripture. There are several that I have personally been holding on to. I actually have a, a little journal that I write different things down and then I, I pray through those. And if you're into that sort of thing, I would encourage you to start that. One of the ones that I've been hanging on for, hanging on to personally, is uh, a Scripture that says, for I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you, Right? 
And so as I need guidance and, and I need wisdom and I need God to come through on, on certain things, I look back at that promise. I look back at other promises that say the steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord and none of his steps will slide. And so I look at promises like that and they fuel my hope. If my hope ever diminishes, if I ever have a, a few moments or a few hours in my day where I feel like this is never going to happen, it's probably because I've not been thinking or, uh, or praying through those types of scriptures. How many of you can testify to something like that? It's like when I begin praying and thinking about those scriptures, they, my, uh, there's a, it's, my hope is directly proportional to that. They rise together, right? Or fall together when I'm not, not reading them. And that's exactly where Mary was. Mary... Uh, I'm sure she had her uh, hope kind of ebb and flow, but then she came back to something that the angel said. I want everybody to look at this again. Look at what the angel says, his very last words before he leaves. He says, for no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. And so when you read a promise in Scripture, assuming you're keeping it in context, you can know that no word from God will ever fail. That promise will be uh, true in your life. It may not be true this exact moment, but God will make it true. You may be sitting here today and you may be thinking about those things you're hoping for and you feel like, man, there's no change. I'm not seeing anything change. And, and, and you feel like giving up. But just because things don't appear on the surface to be changing doesn't mean they're not changing. In fact, I would tell you that they are changing and that God is working behind the scenes in your life and in your situation and in other people's lives right now. Right now. He's working even while you're sitting here in church, he's working on your behalf, going before you, leading you in victory, making the crooked places straight. And be just because you don't see the change and you haven't, it, your reality isn't that thing which you hope for, but he's moving you on the way. How many of you will accept that today? Amen. He is moving you towards that. And so what do you do? You need to hold on in the present. Listen to what this quote. One reason many people never see God working in their lives is because they never hang in long enough for God to show his power. They get to that place, well, nothing changed. I tried. I, I mean, I had faith for like two days. You know, I, I held on, you know, and nothing changed. And now I'm just going to figure it out myself. There is a verse in scripture that always comes to me. And my youth pastor years back preached this, probably 25 years ago, he preached from this passage. It's in Isaiah. And it talks about uh, not trying to make your own way in, in uh, like lighting sparks. Imagine someone in the dark and Isaiah's telling this little story about someone, instead of having faith and just waiting on God, they, they cast little matches out in front of them, trying to find their own way. But Isaiah says, if you do that, you will lay down in torment. One day those little matches will fizzle out and you will go, where in the world am I? How did I get here into this situation? Why did I not just hold on and wait for the Lord to move? Let that sink in for a minute. What would have happened 
had Mary gotten in there maybe a month after this angel came or a couple weeks and said, uh, this ain't working out. I better like be with Joseph. I just bet we just, but maybe that's the way the Lord wants to do that. I just, I'm just going to go be with Joseph and, and conceive that way. That would have really messed things up, wouldn't it? Yeah. So you may be sitting here and holding on to hope and I'm telling you, you need to hold on to the promise of God and resist the urge to cast little flames and try to figure it out on your own. Let the Lord work because he is working whether you feel it or see it or not. He is working on your behalf and he will make a way for you in that perfect time. Hebrews 6.19 tells us this. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Hope in Christ. Hope in the word of God. Hope that God's promises are true. They function like an anchor for our thoughts, our feelings, and our desires. When we think and feel and desire things that take us away from the direction uh, that God has for us, these promises anchor us and keep us steady. Even when we, even when we feel like nothing is changing. So let the word of God be like an anchor in your soul this holiday season as you wait for those things. And also remember into the past how God has made a way for you before he will do it again. If you believe that, say amen. 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 Let's finish by thinking about hope in the future. As I mentioned at the beginning, we, we often forget that the Advent season is a time, yes, to focus on the first coming of Christ, but it's also a reminder to us that he will come again. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Turn there with me. Acts chapter 1, verse 11. We just came out of, we're about halfway through our series in Acts, and we'll finish that up after the holidays um, in January there. But Acts chapter 1, 11 tells us that just after Jesus ascended, two angels appeared to the disciples, to the apostles who were gathered there, and they said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here, staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. And it wasn't too many years later that the apostle John had a revelation, and it's part of that, that experience and he, at, at the end, in Revelation 22, he sees and hears Jesus say three times in a very short uh, passage of Scripture in Revel, uh, Revelation 22, right at the very end of the book, he hears and sees Jesus say three times, I'm coming, I'm coming soon, I'm coming, get, get ready, prepare your hearts. And, and John repeats those famous words, Amen, come, Lord Jesus, come. And so, as we prepare and we look at and celebrate the first coming of Christ, let us not forget that we also need to remember his second coming. The baby that was born in that nativity, uh, he's coming again. And this time he's not coming so gently, right? He's coming in power and in might. And he's coming to make all things new. And this is where our hope for the future comes from. You know, we, we struggle and we think about life and some of these things, especially as we get older. We just, um, we just I, I think naturally as we get older we, and we get those body aches and pains and, 
uh, things become a little more difficult, we start thinking about the second coming of Christ a little bit more than, say, when we're young. You know, we're, um, and if that's not true, that, that probably should be true. So as we focus on his second coming, let us put our hope there that, Lord, those, let's face it, some of the things we're hoping for may not change until he comes again, right? May not change until he comes again. And so as we place our hope in the future on his second coming, and, and we live in the present remembering his promises and we remembering uh, the, how he has come through for us in the past, we let hope fill our hearts, fill our hearts. And that's really my wish for you uh, this uh, holiday season is beginning today and all through this week, especially as you go through the devotions in the book and you pray and you think uh, about this message, that God would just build confidence, that your hope would rise starting today, that your hope would rise. And as you face Christmas, it would be just like Charlie Brown. You would have a total change in your perspective, total change in your attitude to where you're like, wow, this is awesome. This is awesome. I'm excited now. I'm excited because you have something to look forward to. And so when people come to you and they might not say it directly, what is Christmas all about? But you see it in their faith and you see it in their attitude and in their actions. You can remind them of the hope that Jesus brought when he came that first Christmas day. Let's pray together. Would you stand this morning? Paul says in Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father God, we just come before you in Jesus' name, and I thank you for every person here today, every person that got to hear these scriptures and, and think about hope that you give us in the past, the present, and the future. And I pray Lord, that you would just strengthen them, strengthen them. Let them remember the ways you've come through. Let them hold on to your promises in the present. Lord God, that their hope right now, those things that they're hoping you will change, the ways that they're hoping you will make, God, that you would just let that hope rise, that their confidence would build. Lord, and even though it's not their present reality, they would just be assured that it will be and that you're moving, and that you're helping them, that you love them, that you're caring for them, and working behind the scenes. We thank you for that. I pray a blessing over every family here today. God, go with each of us. Lord, help us, Lord, to overcome the, 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 everything the world says Christmas is about, and remember that it's about hope. And remember it's about the love, the joy, and the peace that Jesus brought to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, bless you. You are loved. Have a great week. Don't forget to pick up a devotional book, maybe some invites out there at the table. Have a great week. We thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that His truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.